0: Welcome to Uninvisible. I'm your host Lauren Friedman, and I'm here with my guests to bring you info, insights, and inspiration for coping with, diagnosing and treating invisible illness. We're here over sharing so you don't have to struggle with invisibility anymore. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm here with Dr. Mavin Kandula, who is the founder of ADVENT in Wisconsin and Chicago. He is an otolaryngologist, and he specializes in sleep disorders like sleep apnea, which I have, as well as other disorders related to ear, nose, and throat. So Dr. Kandula, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'll I'll be looking forward to talking more about sleep apnea and all these, uh, some of these other issues too.
0: Absolutely. Well, why don't we jump straight into it? Why don't you tell us about your area of work and your specialty?
1: Yeah. So I'm an otolaryngologist, which is a fancy name for ear, nose and throat physician, um, which uh, is especially that obviously covers those areas that are in its name, but it really covers head and neck issues. Um, There's head and neck issues other than the eyes and the brain specifically. Uh, Mm -hmm. And really our practice, we started as a general ENT practice, but we really are focused on uh, what we call the breathing triangle, which is the nose and throat part of that. So if you take ear, nose and throat and lop off the ears, then you have a nose and the throat Mm -hmm. Um, that what we've, what I've come to learn, and what my patients have taught me over the the you know fifteen sixteen years I've been in practice, is that those issue, folks who have issues in those areas often have issues in both of those areas, and much of the time don't under, don't know of you know don't know that reality. So the nose and throat really are very very much entwined, and people do their best when, if, if they are challenged in those areas, people do their best when we remove the obstacles in both of those areas. And so that's really, I mean, it, it's sort of, you know, it's, it's absolutely in our wheelhouse from a specialty standpoint. So sleep apnea, which you, you mentioned out of the gate, is, it's a throat issue. If you have obstructive sleep apnea, you have a throat issue 100% of the time, not 99, mm-hmm. not 98, it's, a, it's always that. But unfortunately, most folks who have sleep apnea never see an ear, nose and throat physician. Mm. And so uh, does it doesn't, you know, there are other physicians that can certainly help out. But, you know, and, and, and I don't think this is too much of a rock and science approach. But if you have a throat issue, I feel and our practice believes that you should be seeing a throat specialist and there are multiple options. That come along with some of these issues, but you know that's kind of the long and the short of it is is that we really treat you know basically sleep apnea, snoring, nasal blockage, sinus issues, allergies. So those issues, um, and and there's so many people who suffer with uh, with those issues.
0: Yeah, and I mean this these are also issues that can cause a host of other problems. Mm-hmm. So are you talking about surgical interventions as the main focus of the practice or are there other like sort of holistic approaches that you take as well? Um, as
1: it, it's, it depends. We, we are surgeons. So we do mm-hmm. do surgery. Um, most we kind of, we kind of walk you through the walk here though, that yeah. most people who have sleep apnea, so all, everybody who has sleep apnea has a throat issue. If you have sleep apnea, there's, there's three options. There's a CPAP machine, which is the machine you can wear when you're sleeping at night, either on your nose uh, or your nose and your mouth. There's an oral appliance, which is like a retainer that you can wear when you're sleeping at night that just sits in your mouth. And then there are surgical procedures that we do on the throat in, in, for the right candidates. Um, when we see patients, the the least likely thing we're going to offer somebody is surgery on the throat. There are cer- it's certainly folks who are good candidates for that, but most aren't. Um, alternatively, uh, for folks who, who have sleep apnea or snoring issues, if you've got the nasal blockage that, that is very common in those situations, um, then in, on that side of the fence, if you've got nasal issues, it's either anatomy or lining. So either things aren't open enough or the lining's irritated. In that situation, most folks actually could benefit from simple in-office uh, options, procedures to get the nose more open um, because medications don't treat, treat the anatomy. So it kind of depends on the area we're talking about. Um, but what we try to do is listen and understand what our patients are telling us, listen and understand kind of the place that they're coming from and try to match up our treatments to 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 make sure things are fitting properly.
0: Absolutely. And it it sounds like, you know, as you have mentioned, a lot of patients who have these kinds of issues aren't necessarily being referred to see an otolaryngologist or an Mm -hmm. ENT. So is part of the work you're doing about raising awareness of the need for overlap in these treatment areas?
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, that's the first, um, the the sort of the first principle is people need to understand uh, more about these issues. You see, these issues, as you mentioned before, are they don't affect just that one area. It it really can ruin somebody's life, and we see this all the time. And and it's a it's a massive domino effect. And we are guarding the first domino. And so as that guard, as the the person who's the gatekeeper there, uh, literally to somebody's airway, we and I say we. I mean, my, my specialty and me specifically needs to do a better job of, of getting the word out and, and letting people know that um, that they don't need to suffer. And, and, and that's the, it, part of sort of why I get on my soapbox sometimes is is you see patient after patient that's sort of um, mistreated, unfortunately, or mm. I, I, how do you say that? People are frustrated, and rightfully so, because the system that exists right now throughout this country is broken. For somebody who has sleep apnea, the system doesn't typically work for them. And so when you look at statistics, if you have sleep apnea, the likelihood that you're gonna find success with treatment is about thirty percent with the typical, you know, sort of pull it off the shelf one size fits all approach, it doesn't work. But the thing that kind of gets my gets me going is that if you just have a little bit more thought put into it, um, the success rates go massively up. And so it's just sort of trying to make sure people are aware of some of these facts and then letting people live their own lives and do what they feel is right. I mean, that that's every teach their own, but I think if you don't know, You know, I think if you're ignorant because the information has never been presented to you or options have never been presented to you, uh, then, and I have maybe some information that might be helpful, then it's my job to get that information to you.
0: Absolutely. And what about within your practice, what are you finding to be the most recurrent uh, illnesses and symptoms that you're seeing among the patients who come in?
1: Uh, It it really runs the gamut because I think theoretically, or if you, if you kind of want to connect the dots back. So if somebody has sleep apnea, uh, they may come in, uh, the most likely reason for them to come in is because they're snoring and they're keeping their, their bed partner awake. That's, that's very, very common, but uh, additional, or in addition to that, they might just be dragging through their life and not really, you know, just not having the energy that they feel like they should have. And the challenge is if you have sleep apnea, it's, it's happening when you're asleep and you're the last person to know that something going on. And so, you know, I think it it runs the gamut. And we actually, um, you know, yes, we're an ENT practice, we have these specific areas of focus. Um, And and so it kind of runs, I think we see folks coming in seeking help for conditions that you wouldn't sometimes necessarily relate uh, with, you know, ENT issues, even like the fatigue Mm -hmm. I just said, I don't know that most people would say, oh, I'm tired, I should go see an ENT. Um, You know, you, you might think I'm tired, I should I don't know what you do. You know, you want to do a whole lot of other things, which is, you know, maybe you're going to be right on the right path, maybe not. And then from a nose standpoint, you know, we see a lot of folks with chronic headache issues, sinus infections, um, you know, those sorts of annoying, ongoing quality of life um, devastators. So, yeah.
0: Mm, absolutely. I mean, it's interesting because it seems to me that, you know, allergies, nose issues, um, even fatigue, those are things that no- most of us would go to our GP first, right, mm-hmm. for for care. Um, yeah. Do you think it's a, a disconnect between um, the referral system as well, that that perhaps GPs aren't always Aware that that any of those symptoms should probably be referred to an ENT as well.
1: Yeah, I think so. And, and I don't, I don't, I'm, I don't like to point fingers, but I would say that system isn't working really well. Uh, meaning, from a referral standpoint, um, it, it just unfortunately, I guess I can only speak to my experience. I'd say you know, with with uh, definition, I'd say definitively for the patients that we see here and we treat uh, far, far too many of them have been sort of given multiple band-aids to try to, you know, stop a massively uh, hurtful wound. And um, that's not right. And and so for me, it's sort of a, Um, there was a time where I sort of held my tongue a little bit more and and tried to be sort of polite about it. At this point, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to be rude about it. I don't want to be anything other than truthful and forthright and, and just sort of letting it be known. And and I think um, that not, not all ills in the world are due to sleep apnea, you know, that's not true, but I'd say there are more people in this world walking around and suffering needlessly um, than there, than there ought to. And, 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 and even one person who's suffering needlessly is one more than there should be. But we're talking millions of people who are um, whose lives are being impacted. And then when I get sort of heavy on this is, you know, we typically think about this quality of life impact, which is significant. But if you, have, if you have sleep apnea that's not getting treated properly, yeah, it's impact, impacting your quality of life. It will likely end your life sooner than than you know it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Now, the actual sleep apnea is not, not going to get you, but the heart attack or the stroke or the diabetes or the depression or those things will get you. Mm-hmm. And so the challenge for me and the world around us is if somebody dies from a heart attack and they had sleep apnea that was undiagnosed for 40 years, nobody typically connects it back to the sleep apnea they say oh it's sad that joe smith died at 50 from a heart attack isn't that too bad you know what's what's the the, the the if 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 it's true that joe smith had sleep apnea that was untreated or undertreated um and he died from a heart attack what's true is his untreated sleep apnea was that first domino that led to this devastating impact mm. and i think if that story was told then everybody would everybody would be up in arms and say we need to do something. We need to do something about this, but that story is never told. Mm. Uh, And it it just sort of not to be, you know, too rude or punny, but that gets buried, It's buried away. And, Mm. uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a sad story. And, uh, but nobody learns a lesson from it. And, um, that's just not right. In my opinion.
0: Absolutely. Well, what about the stigmas attached to, you know, illnesses like sleep apnea? I mean, pretty much we sort of walk around the world like allergies are a normal thing. Um, Right. right? But um, with something like sleep apnea, I mean, it's very interesting because I had that experience personally as someone in their thirties getting diagnosed with sleep apnea and being like, I thought only old people got sleep apnea, right? Like, you know, how do we begin to break down those, those barriers of stigma and allow people to understand that, this is something that affects a much larger portion of the population.
1: Right. And it, it may, the person that sort of may be pointing the finger at you and saying, what's wrong with you, they might have an issue as well is the yeah. reality. It's such a common issue that, that, um, And there's, I I think that, I think that there is some awareness of sleep apnea these days. When I I came out of training in 2003 and back when I came out of training, I'd say, I don't back, you know, 20 years ago, I don't know that most people would have heard of sleep apnea, maybe a little Mm. bit. I think in 2020, I think most people have at least heard that term like, oh, okay, sleep apnea or CPAP, I think. But
0: that's usually, it's like your grandpa has it. It's not like you do, right? (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly. I mean, it's, it's, although it's absolutely a, um, it's, this isn't a sleep apnea just to kind of sort of cut through some misperceptions potentially is it's not an old person's disease and and it's Mm. not a young person's disease it's a it's a a person's disease and the 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 truth and this is another truth that i don't think people are aware of is that we as a species this is where it kind of gets a little weird as a species our airways are are becoming smaller which is why uh you're seeing so many people who have this issue so when when somebody has sleep apnea that what that's what, And just so all your listeners understand what we're talking about here, somebody has sleep apnea, what that means is that person's sleeping at night and their airway is shutting down. And when I say airway, I mean the back of their throat. So they're trying to breathe, their throat is shutting down, and therefore they can't breathe. They stop breathing, and then the body does something to wake them up mentally or shift position so that their airway opens up again. That's sleep apnea. So if your airway is uh, sort of um, – can can take a punch then okay you don't have sleep apnea but what's happened over time and, and it's actually fascinating to me as as a as a, a science geek is mm-hmm. that um when you look at skulls you look at us now in 2020 and you look at our ancestors not that long ago pre-industrial age 19 like the 19 early 1900s our skulls don't look the same our airways are shrink shrinking I would say, you know, how many people do you know who have had their wisdom teeth out? And I'd say almost everybody who hasn't mm. had their wisdom teeth out nowadays. Our great grandparents didn't get their wisdom teeth out not because they didn't have the, the medicine to do it, because their their jaws were bigger, their airways mm. were bigger, and so some Why of this do you stuff But that that That's well, happening.
0: It seems like a fault in our biology, doesn't it? it?
1: It it seems kind of strange, but similar and actually related, I think, to the allergy thing that you just said. I mean, allergies are so common these days. Yeah, I mean um, that's
0: environmental for sure. It is it? environment,
1: and, and so. So if you you walk it back and you walk to the Industrial Revolution uh, and, and sort of things have changed in our environment, there's different things in the air, Additionally, our environment at this point—it sounds going to sound weird—but it's, it's almost—it's um, a situation where it's so clean and so managed that we're not exposed. Our bodies aren't exposed to the things that our ancestors were. So mm-hmm. back in the day, you know, simple things like you know, just if you were living in a farming community, then you're breathing in stuff constantly from when you're born, and your body sort of adapts to it and it says, "Hey, that's um, you know, pollen, no big deal. We're going to move on." Now, in our new environment, you're walking around in a city you're walking around with your hands nicely washed, everything's clean. And all of a sudden, you see a little bit of pollen come through. And what all allergies are, your body misidentifying something as an enemy. So your body's Mm. breathing a little pollen in and saying, that's a poison. And we need to shut that down. We're going to shut that down by swelling the lining of your nose up, making your eyes itch and and water your nose run. We're going to make you sneeze. And so it's it's a it's it's taking something that's not a problem and making it a problem but then then that's the start of your airway your your nose is the start of your airway. so if your nose is a little bit stuffy and and, and your child then what ends up happening is that nose that's stuffy causes your mouth to drop open maybe just at night maybe day and night a mouth that's open um creates a domino effect there too where your jaw jaws do not form properly and it's not and and, and it's it's it you can make a nice story that way and not everybody who has sleep apnea has that story, but a lot of folks do. Most folks, most, most folks who have sleep apnea, the issues actually started way back in the day. A lot of times when they were kids and they might not have had sleep apnea then, but they were sort of, Um, destined or programmed um, because of their environment to have an airway that they weren't supposed to have. And then as you get older and your airway is compromised, uh, most people, I think, when when you hear the word sleep apnea, a lot of folks think about, oh, you have sleep apnea because you got too much weight on. And and sometimes that's true. Uh, But I'd say the flip opposite is actually more true. And it's something, this is something I've sort of recognized more recently, unfortunately, is that if you have a compromised airway, almost a guarantee is you're going to have more weight on your body than you're supposed to have because mm-hmm. you you're just it's hard to be active and productive and make the right choices food wise when you're not breathing and sleeping properly i don't you know if I don't get a good night's sleep the next day I'm less likely to exercise and more likely to eat trash and so if you eat trash and you don't you're not mobile uh then you're going to put some weight on you put weight on and you had a compromised airway that's going to make your airway even tighter and there you go and now it's you a vicious cycle, cycle. absolutely yeah. and, and and so i'd say you know certainly there's folks who who kind of um i don't know they, they can kind of you can pretty much any, if you want sleep apnea, gain a lot of weight, you're going to have sleep apnea. Nobody chooses to do that. And I'd say maybe somebody out there is in that camp, but I'd say more folks are in the camp of compromised airways that um, they don't even know that starts the ball rolling.
0: Do you think it's something that perhaps more people should be getting tested for sort of as a baseline, you know, that like we go in for our annual checkup at our GP, should we be having our airways checked as well?
1: I, it, it's, a, it's a slippery slope there. I, yes. I think, yes, if if the person who's looking and thinking sort of, um, is it just checking a box off? Because unfortunately in medicine, I think as anybody who goes and in, 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 in interacts with the healthcare system these days, there's a lot of box checking and not a whole lot of listening and, and taking, you know, not a whole lot of listening and not a whole lot of common sense going on these days. Mm. And so, but yes, I think, I think if we had a system in place where somebody who has a question or a, a man, maybe I have this issue, I'm not sure if somebody, if, if those people could go in, um, the the, di- the way to di- we diagnose this is so simple these days. It's an in at home sleep study. So you don't have to go to the sleep lab. You don't, you can sleep in your own bed. It's a simple device. You go to sleep with the one night, if you bring it back, we, we. You download the information it tells us exactly what's happening um that's a big deal i mean that that we've been able to do really well for the last 10 years or so prior to that everybody had to go in the sleep lab sleep labs still have their place in the world today but um but but a but a small place but anyway i'd say you know awareness of these issues diagnosis uh and Kind of going from there. I mean, when you think about healthcare in general, and I I actually try not to. I try to think about the person who's sitting in front of me, and that Mm -hmm. that's the most important person in the world to us. Uh, But that, and when and and when you do that, when you're intentional and sort of in the moment, um, that's I think how you actually change the world. But if Mm -hmm. I allow myself to fly out into space and look down upon us, I'd say if you think about healthcare in this world and this country specifically, is a massive change that could be created in a simple manner would be to diagnose all those folks out there who have sleep apnea and then to treat them properly. And um, because all the other things we talked about, when you look at healthcare spend and you look at heart attacks and strokes and diabetes and depression and all, all the, and I can go on and on and on. Um, if you could, if you could magically wave your wand and take those things out of people's lives, that's massive impact on lives, but it's also massive, massively decreased spend, um, from a, just a global standpoint. So it's a win-win. Um, but the challenge is, is people don't, people, have a hard time connecting those dots, which again is why mm-hmm. I, I like to 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 talk about some of these things because some of it gets a little complex, but I, I, a lot of it I think is very very. It's deceptively straight. simple, isn't it's it? It's very simple. It's so <laughs> yeah. it's 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 literally in front of your face. That's where the answer is. It's, it's literally, literally, literally.
0: the place where it all happens. That's yeah. it.
1: That's it. And so yeah. there's not many things where it's it's like it's right in front of you, man. It's right mm. there. It's
0: very interesting because it seems to me that you're actually, in your practice, taking kind of a root cause approach, which is a more Mm -hmm. functional medicine, you Mm -hmm. know, ideal. But actually, you know, in my discussions with various practitioners who I've had on the show, it seems to me that the agreement tends to be among doctors, Mm -hmm. and especially good ones, you know, Mm -hmm. that we should be taking an integrative approach in all medicine, shouldn't we? Correct. We yeah. should
1: the challenge is that the system isn't built for that and yeah. and so if you try to do that, you're bucking the system and um it's hard to buck the system mm. and, and 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 most people don't want to buck the system, and sometimes when you buck the system, the system bucks back and I'd uh, so,
0: say that's more often than not yeah
1: <laughs> so so it's it's not for the faint of heart, and so um most people are faint of heart you know what I'm saying? Yeah. so for for the kind of what I was saying before about you know i was a good boy for a while and then what I what I began to understand is that you know uh being a good boy and sort of playing by the rules of a system that's broken isn't I'm just not morally I'm not okay with that and yeah. not that we're doing anything we we are sort of as buttoned up as you can be but I'm all I'm saying is that um if 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 you believe there's a problem and you believe you have a solution, then it's your duty to 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 bring that bring that full force, and yeah. that's all we're trying to do. And, and back to the, yes, I would say you know the integration of some of these disparate areas in healthcare would be wonderful, um, but that the solution for that. Will never be a top down approach. It cannot happen because when you go top down you crush what's on what's on the bottom. It has to be a bottom up approach and when you're on the bottom and you're trying to trying to raise awareness and bring things up um that again you're you're fighting the that entire system that's above you, and so yes, we need more people who are willing to to fight the good fight um yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. I'm sure our listeners would agree as well. So I'm wondering, in terms of the people who come into your practice, um, are you finding that you're dealing with hypochondria at all in the practice? I mean, this is always my question, particularly mm-hmm. as it revolves around invisible illness, right? Because. Sure the number of us who've been told that we were fine when we weren't. Yep. Um, obviously you talked about patients who are coming to you and are frustrated by the time they yep. get there because they've dealt with not being right. relieved. But you know, are you seeing by the time they get to you, are you seeing any hypochondria in your practice and how do you handle it if you do see it? Um,
1: honestly, I wouldn't necessarily I say I see so much hypochondria. I see, I, so I mean, it depends on you. I'm trying to really think about what like the definition of hypochondria to me means somebody who doesn't have an illness and um, thinks, they it, do. thinks they do or wants to. I, I don't yeah. know, you know, one of those two things. And I, I do think there are some folks who come to see us because they do think there's something wrong with them. And sometimes they just want us to assure them that that things are looking okay. Mm. Now, the truth there though is Many times, not all the time. Many times, those people who who sort of wonder, "Geez, I think there's something not quite right," and we, we we dive beneath the surface and we look. Many times, we actually find that that that's true. So, mm. I, I I feel like we see. I don't honestly. Do you you don't this? see a lot of. I don't <laughs> see a lot of them, yeah. and in fact, I see a lot of people who uh, maybe have been pegged as something like that, mm. or, or and actually they had an issue, which is the. Which is almost like to me. I'm thinking about this honestly, but it, to me, the almost the greatest sin that we can do as as uh, clinicians is to dismiss somebody um, yeah. because, of to our our own, yeah. because of our own because of our own in- ignorance or inadequacy
0: or ego, maybe.
1: Or and sometimes it's uh, it sounds harsh, but I think sometimes it's intentional. Meaning intentional that you're taking a lot of time out of my schedule, and I don't have the time for you today, buddy. You know, so that's intentional. uh, But I think a lot of times it's a lack of understanding, and even some of these airway things we're just talking about is that if you don't understand that concept, if you don't understand that uh, a, a narrowed airway, you know, can lead to sleep apnea, and sleep apnea can lead to you know depression, for instance, which Again, it, it, those that's that's a, those are simple jumps to make. That, that that's absolutely been proven, and you're seeing somebody for de, for depression. Uh, the, the, the sort of the if if you don't sort of open your mind to start trying to walk your way back to the, where the the root cause, um, mm-hmm. then you're not doing that patient a disservice. And I think especially for mental illness specifically is there's all I don't want to necessarily open up that that door, but there, there's so little. Um, Good science, there, uh, mm. in my opinion, and so much chatter and disinformation that it's. Um, and, I'm and sometimes not- it's
0: actually, it sounds like, it, from your perspective. A lot of mental health issues actually have a physical beginning and not, and it's not like a brain issue necessarily, but more to do with the rest of your anatomy, not working properly. Potentially.
1: And and maybe not. Mm -hmm. Certainly there are people who are depressed um, and have no airway issues whatsoever, ever. And and that's a shame and they ought to be treated. But, but a bit, again, my bias is a bigger shame is somebody who say, let's just use this as an example. Somebody who's got depression and actually has an airway issue and actually has sleep apnea that hasn't been treated. Like that's not a shame. That's a sin. And mm. that person is not just, it's not just like, oh, that's sad. It's a, you know, really, if you think about the balls there, good God, if we would have just had our eyes open, mm. understood the situation, treated that medical, the physical issue that might've prevented that whole other issue, um, you know, kind of a thing. And that, that back to the kind of this awareness sort of a thing, like I, that, <laughs> Shouldn't happen, right? Uh, and if, it, if 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 I, if I have anything to do with it, you know, under my watch, it 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 won't happen. Now it still does happen because mm-hmm. I'm one person, and there's only so much I can do. But I, I would say that I think if if the more people had awareness and the attitude that to to just check it out. I mean, again, yeah. let's it, on this one. You know, if you, if you were somebody you loved had this issue, and you could. Simply figure out what's going on. Um, well, why wouldn't you do that? You, you should do that. And, and anybody yeah. who says otherwise, I, I I would I need to hear a counter argument to that, um, because to I don't make think sense there
0: is of it. Money. Well, yeah. I, I wonder also because you know we you you've touched on doctors who are like strapped for time and how the system is kind mm-hmm. of rigged against not only doctors but patients yeah way as well and i i wonder is that like how have you found at your practice a way to work around it are you have you removed yourself from the larger system of health insurance entirely in order to deal with that
1: uh we haven't you know mm-hmm. it, which is we 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 walk this fine line and this is i mean i'm sure you this is not the first time you've heard this is it people have their health care insurance and they would like to use their health care insurance for no, their health still
0: needed to be affordable <laughs> <laughs> exactly
1: so and we understand that. And so for us, it's like, okay, you know, how do we help our patients is if we can play by the rules of the system, um, but just, well, (laughs) but you know, but, but yeah, kind of. And, and, but can we, so if, if that's a, I think to me, that's a, that's a a truth as it exists today is that people have people who have health insurance want to use it for their health Mm. care. Okay, fine. Now the rest of the system now, typically like a, a typical medical practice, um, if you're going in to see uh, like an ENT practice, in me say specifically, if you're going to go see an ENT, you're going to go see the, the doctor at the first visit and every visit. And that's a good thing. That's a fine thing. We don't do that here. And that, that sounds kind of weird, but, mm. but it's how we do it. How we, how we approach our patients is we, we call it team-based care. So we have PAs and nurse practitioners and MDs and we work together. And if, and, and, and so by doing that, it allows us. Like for instance, if somebody comes in to see us, their first visit's going to be with a, a physician assistant or nurse practitioner. Now, some people not, might not might not like that, and I mm-hmm. and 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 those that don't like it don't like it because they don't understand why that's set up that way. And that then it's sort of if somebody's willing to listen, I'd say, hey, I get it. I understand that you want the best care that you can have. The reality is, this is the best way to do that because when we do it that way, then that physician assistant at that first visit has. Plenty of time to sit down, look at you in the eyes, talk to you like a human being, and understand what's going on, and then use the tools that they have to look at you. And again, let's say it's an airway issue. Look at that. Look at what what's going on anatomically, and have a okay. I hear what you what's going on. I can see what I see here. And then if additional testing is necessary, so say a home sleep study is necessary or imaging is necessary to look at the nose and the sinuses, they're going to get those things set up. And then the next time that you're going to come in, now you're going to see the doctor who now has the information that they need. Now they, and they have the time now, now instead of wasting that doctor's time by sort of doing sort of information gathering on the front end, let's make sure that the doc has all the information that they need. So when they sit down with you, we're not wasting your time or their time. And, 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 and that's how we do it. So really what we do is we kind of protect and preserve our doctor's time by by making sure that our docs are doing things that only doctors should be doing. And we protect yeah. and preserve our PA's on that way. And so that's how we do it. And that works. Okay. Like within it sounds the system. to
0: me like it's more of like a medical concierge system in that way. Like what you're doing is cause so many patients, so many of us struggle when we sit down with a new doctor to tell the story. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's so much that can get lost in translation. It sounds like you're bridging that gap by Mm -hmm. bringing the PAs or the nurse practitioners in first to sort of create the story in the doctor's language so that Mm -hmm. there is an understanding between doctor and patient and you can lead them through the process to make it more sensible. And it's, it's a shame that um, you know, more practitioners probably haven't figured that out yet right
1: right, right. yeah and 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 there's you know there's the sort of the counter argument to that which is is I, I mean like you know what i mean like we've i guess bottom line as you said and i kind of say it, it repeated is our, we don 't have the perfect system, and our system we 're always working to make it better, but um, our system is as good as we can make it to be in the, in the day and the age that we live in and you know sort of meeting all of our masters our patients are, we serve our patients, but in order to serve our patients, we need to work with their insurance companies because that 's what most people want and you know we 've thought and talked about well, could we just buck the whole system and you know, we could, but then we would actually reach fewer people and fewer patients, which isn't, you know, that's not a great uh, option for, for us, what we're trying to do. So, yeah, it's trying to say, okay, these are the rules. How can, you know, in these, with these rules, how can we continue or how can we deliver the best care that we can? And to, in this day and age, this is how we do it. and And it really does work. I mean, it works as a physician. I'm a better physician because I work in the system that I work in uh, than I was back in, you know, 10 years ago when I was seeing every patient, every visit and, and, and just there's so many times, so much time in a day. And in addition, there's so, so, so I think there's, there's so much time in a day, but there's also so much time that somebody can be truly present and engaged. And I think the frustration on both sides from a physician and a patient standpoint is when a patient comes in and expects, full engagement, full attention, and doesn't get that. And then as a doctor, you, you know, if I were put in a situation where I was not able to be present and fully engaged, I would feel like I'm I'm compromised. Mm-hmm. And you, you'll, you most doctors in this country, they call it burnout, but they're, they're, they're getting crushed in this system as well, because they aren't able to do what they got into this thing you know business to to do, because mm. the system is so sort of discombobulated that it it just it ruins it it ruins it for everybody, it ruins it for the patient, ruins it for the physician, and then you have a bunch of of everybody's unhappy um, right. and, and and which is a shame because doctors are generally you know in it for the right reasons and want to do the right thing um, and in sort of the system sort of almost Works sometimes it makes them. it impossible, yeah,
0: yeah. This episode is sponsored by Ember Labs, creators of the Ember Wave, the intelligent bracelet that helps control how you experience temperature. I'm heat-sensitive, and this device has been a lifesaver. Using patented technology, it cools or warms the temperature-sensitive skin on your wrist, creating a natural response in your body and mind that helps you thermally adjust in minutes. It was selected by Time Magazine as one of 2018's best inventions. For those of you with mounting medical costs to consider, the team at Ember offer a payment plan in partnership with a firm. And because you listen to Uninvisible Pod, they are offering you $30 off. Go to emberlabs.com, that's E-M-B-R-labs.com, enter code INVISIBLE30, that's INVISIBLE30, at checkout, and experience personal thermal wellness on a whole new level with me. Well, and I'm I'm wondering, you know, is there special training that the, the practitioners in your practice go through in order to address that patient feeling of frustration, you know, Mm -hmm. that, that so many patients are coming to you after going through doctor after doctor, after doctor, getting no answers maybe, um, or getting the wrong answers, you know, and feeling very frustrated and like they've been shuttled from specialist to specialist. Mm -hmm. Does that mean that you're also making sure that, that the clinicians who work in your practice are practicing, greater empathy toward patients as well, that their bedside manner is a really important part of the hiring process? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, it's basically, it's an, anything short of excellence in that regard is a non-starter and meaning that, you know, and, and part of it is just, if you're in a culture that, where that's the expectation, then you, you raise your game if your game wasn't there to begin with. And I think, um, and, and we don't actually, how do you say, we don't actually sort of sit and talk about this so much, we do, and we, we, model by doing and then you you know and then it's just sort of that's the culture that we have and mm. um i mean what, what we've got um you know a few core values the first core value we call it advent's golden rule which is not get the golden rule is do unto uh, do unto others as you would have others do unto you advent's golden rule or there, there's other words for there terms for this is is not just doing as you would have others do unto you doing you know sort of um doing sort of the ideal thing for that person because mm. sometimes the sometimes and especially in this this culture in this day and age is i think a lot of people don't do or think enough for themselves meaning that a lot of people expect or accept uh, a compromised life and a compromised situation so if you just follow the golden rule you actually aren't treating somebody the way that they ought to be treated in my opinion and so here and, and it's, it's really more a matter of of um I mean, it's it's optimizing the care of that patient by caring for that patient. Um, these are all it's. These are all words, and words are cheap. But and so action is where it comes into being, and and it's but just, it's making it's the patient right. number one. Absolutely, like. yeah, absolutely, yeah, and doing
0: yeah. good by them. And we've talked a lot about the ways in which the healthcare system is rigged against doctor and patient. Yeah. I'm wondering if there are ways in which you see it working in its current form. I
1: think. The potential. So, in here's what I'd say. In in this country, I, in my opinion, we have when when all sort of cylinders are firing, we have the best healthcare in the world, which Why? is <laughs> now now period now. But what I'd said before, the system's broken, and I'd say because mm-hmm. there's so many um, barriers to entry towards you know getting to when it's when it's firing on all cylinders that that when it's when it's firing like if you have um i mean there's many times where um you know if the the system works better than anywhere else in the world and Mm. but and and then it depends on how how you how do you define that and it's a and that's that's where you start losing it because then it's well is it um, you know, we've got, I think it's 300 and however many, many million people we have in this country. Is it, is it averaging the care for all those people across, you know, av- every individual? Right. And but I if say, you look
0: at access, we're not doing so great. <laughs> Correct.
1: But, but if I guess that's the thing and not, I'm not, I'm just saying, say the effects. I think if you have access, uh, and you have an issue and- and you get plugged in the right resource, then you can get uh, great
0: care. You're going
1: to get the best care around and in the world because, and and, and I'd say, well, what's my proof of that? Because people, you know, in my specialty uh, folks come from around the world to Mm. get that, you know, to, to hear about, you know, what we can do here at that top level mm. of care. Um, you know, so I'm not saying it's all, you know, I'm just it's saying... It's not all
0: terrible. <laughs> it's not all
1: terrible. And in fact, it, there there are great, great things happening uh, mm. in healthcare. And, um, you know... How, and I,
0: how do we increase that access, though? I mean, if if the patients who are getting care are getting very high-level care, how do we, you know, how do you as a as a clinician, you know, how do I as an advocate, how do patients... Um, create better access so that our success rate can keep going up?
1: Right. That's a tricky question.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's the one we're trying to figure out. Yeah, because yeah,
1: I, I, I think the, I, I guess I'd say that would start with having an expectation. If you're a healthcare consumer, having an expectation and, and also a, a will or a say in the game mm. um to begin with and and when it's when you aren't receiving the kind of care um that you' you feel like you expect then sort of. Yeah, letting it be known. I'd say letting it be known by by letting them, you know. And, and this is where I start losing it, as you see.
0: Like <laughs> no, no, you're doing here. great. You're doing you know, great. But
1: but it's it's challenging. I, I think
0: it's a philosophical um, discussion as much as it is a logistical one.
1: <laughs> it is. It is. But I, I would say if people and patient people who become mm-hmm. patients. Empowered well, we're all going to become patients. Well, too, yeah, some but uh, That's exactly something but to
0: keep in mind, right? We're you, all going to need the system at some absolutely. point.
1: Absolutely. When you cross that door into a healthcare facility, you you are in charge of your care, mm. and if you have that mindset, then you're going to keep your you're going to watch out for yourself and protect yourself and make sure you're getting what you need. Um, where it's, it's a different mindset. I mean, like at least when I was a both my parents are physicians. I remember when I was a kid, it, it, there was much more of a paternalistic model, and that still exists. I think you have this overlap of a paternalistic model, which means you go into to, to the doctor, and the doctor is like your your parent, and mm-hmm. you yes, yes, man, you ma'am, do what you doctor know, he, says, correct. And so you have vestiges of that, and there there's sort of some a little bit of a nostalgic, like uh, you know, there was a time and place where maybe that was I wouldn't say bad, but that that existed in the current day and age. There, There's sort of an, a memory of that, but then a system mm. that, that, that doesn't at all uh, behave like that. And then we're also in, a, in an entirely new information age where mm. literally there is nobody, you, you, every single person walking around this world has access to as much information as their doctor does.
0: Well, which- and that's great because like you're even participating in that information system, right? Like you're posting videos that have Mm -hmm. information about, um, you know, your practice and, and um, the kinds of patients that you're seeing and tests you're running. And, you know, so being aware of like looking for that kind of information from a patient perspective for sure.
1: It's good, I mean, and 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 if somebody's motivated and and sort of well, if they're motivated, that you can find a lot a lot of stuff. Sometimes I it get, sometimes it's too much stuff. I mean, sometimes you get yeah. you read. Well, so and much how and, do
0: you know what's real and what's not? Because we're in this yeah. post truth world. Absolutely,
1: <laughs> exactly, and that's the yeah. challenge. Is and and then you really so back. You we move from sort of a, a paternalistic model to your physician is really kind of the arbiter i think of maybe truth versus non-truth to some Mm -hmm. extent and it's a different role that 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 you're serving because everybody back you know when my parents went through medical medical school you can only get this information by going through medical school and that's Mm -hmm. it and if you didn't go through medical school then then you need to just listen to what we're saying nowadays you know everybody's got access but then nobody knows what to do with all that information. Right. And,
0: so it's so, sort of the same problem. It's the, the other end of the same problem. Correct. And it's yeah. happened,
1: at least in my lifetime, that's happened and it's happening. Yeah. And, so like, and then that's where you get the system where uh, you get so much frustration, I think, is, is yeah. that you have some some disconnects there.
0: Yeah. So um, when patients are coming to you, um, say they they're, have sort of a nebulous symptom Situation, you know. Oh, I'm kind of tired. Oh, my nose is little stuff. Mm -hmm. What kinds of tests are you going to run on patients when they first come to your practice? Um, Um,
1: Well, first is listening, and and really that that's it's not a test, but it's it's the first we need to understand. Like, what what are you noticing? And and sometimes that um, sometimes that's crucial. Well, it's crucial for us to hear you, but then it's also crucial as for us to kind of maybe. Uh, here between the lines of what you're saying. Uh, and then based on that, then we actually look before we do any sort of additional testing. It's looking at you. And fortunately as, as a, a head and neck doc is, This is easy access. Like we can look Mm. in your nose, we can look in your throat. We can we can see everything we need. Got all the scopes. (laughs) Correct, exactly. So nothing. It's not like we've got to like you don't even have to undress, but you know to see us. So it's nice. And and then so we can we can really between what you say and what we're seeing, you know, we pretty much have a a good sense as to how likely are you to have, let's say, sleep apnea. That that the first time you come in, we should have a pretty good good guesstimate and then say we we say yeah it seems both we know what you're saying what we see this seems like you you, you're likely to have this then absolutely we'll do a home sleep study see what's going on kind of go from there it's sort of as is taking the tools that we have and making sure we use them in the right way. And then, and then going, and the same thing from the nose and sinus standpoint, we would, you know, simple, a very, very common test that we would do would be do imaging of the nose and sinuses uh, because one thing we can't see is we can't see into the sinuses. When we look at you, we have to Mm. use x-rays to do that. So we do that when necessary so we can see what's happening behind the scenes. So we can, we can know what's going on. So we can treat you properly.
0: Mm. So, with someone like me, who like I've got a CPAP, right? You know, mm-hmm. do you see that as a long-term solution to something like sleep uh, apnea, can... or is it like an imperfect? Because I, I often think to myself, "Gee, it's a good thing my CPAP is more compact, right? They've gotten right. smaller over the years, but sure. it still feels like a bit of a an ancient way to, right. <laughs> you yep. know, to be treating something that we haven't come up with something m- less or more convenient, if you will."
1: Yeah, it, it could be a permanent solution. Mm. It it is a bit of a um how do you say this? It's a bit of a
0: a gray like, area.
1: Well, I wouldn't say it's so gray is it? my bias is if I so let me kind of dial back. If you have sleep apnea, you have the three options. You have CPAP, you have the oral appliance option, and you have surgery. Mm. Most people who, are, who do well with the CPAP machine would do just as well with, with an oral appliance. Most people who have sleep apnea have never heard about an oral appliance. And mm. so and to me, that's not right. Um, and so and nobody's going to do very well if their nose isn't working. So if you have sleep apnea, like I said, you have a throat issue, there's about a 70 80 90% chance you, your nose isn't optimal either. And so if you're in, in a CPAP machine, the best way for that machine to work for you is your mouth shut nose open just in a nasal mask if you're in an oral appliance uh, appliance in your mouth nose open you know that's working and even if we do surgery on your throat you know same same thing your nose needs to be working so kind of answer your question I'd say it's a it, it's it's a it's a good solution it's really the gold standard that we have right now um, there are advancements on the surgical side of things um, it, the, the tools we have there hard to, I don't want to go into too, too, too much detail, but I'd say what, for instance, if somebody has sleep apnea is using an oral appliance, what we're doing is putting something in their mouth that's just pulling their lower jaw forward. Your tongue is attached to your lower jaw that opens up the back of your throat when you just move that a few millimeters, okay? There are ways to actually change the configuration of your jaws through massive surgery, like that's there's a standard surgery out there, not, and you probably have not mm. heard of this, but there's a big time surgery where they break your upper and lower jaws. Oh,
0: I've heard of this, Mo- and I thought, it. oh god, I hope I don't end up having to have exactly. my jaw broken. I like my jaw. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so there's there's this big bad surgery that actually works really well, but mm. nobody really wants to go down that road unless they have a good reason to go down the road. Sure. Now, if we had a more elegant approach to do a similar sort of thing. I think that a lot of people will go down that road and and there are are those options and I don't want to get into a whole lot of detail, but you know, if if you could have a a lower key procedure and change your airway by changing how those are configured, um, a lot of people would move that way. But really right now in this day and age, I think most people are are better served. I think actually, honestly, I think most people would be best served in an oral appliance, um, Mm -hmm. but just you have to be, you have to work with a dentist who knows what they're doing and, and, and wants to be able to work with you. Most people who come in with sleep apnea or, or questioning sleep apnea are are pulled into a system that's rigged where you're you know basically they're the system assumes you're going to have to try the CPAP first. You have to, and, and even and it's like even a it's fail a,
0: first situation. Or it's a,
1: it's a this is the only option, and it's either mm-hmm. this or the highway, buddy. I think a lot of people get that thing, and 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 there's never a discussion about any other option. And so, um, but anyway, I'd say back to the machine I'd say yes it's nice that the machines are smaller and quieter and better than they have been back in the day it'd be nice if you had sleep apnea if you didn't have to have a machine you know to begin at all
0: Um, (laughs) I often think that I travel and I have to carry this extra briefcase around with me and I think god this would be so much easier if I didn't have to you know I'd love to be low maintenance again (laughs) yes
1: absolutely absolutely now you not to get me I I don't want to kind of take things over, but have you heard of that oral appliance
0: option? I tried it actually. I I did the CPAP first and was only offered a mask that went over my nose and mouth. Right. And no one told me about other masks. Then that didn't work because it kept me up all night because the cord hit me in the face every time I moved. Yeah. So then I tried the oral appliance and went through months and months of dealing with I kept getting like infections in the corner of my mouth the appliance mm-hmm. wasn't fitting right, right. Uh-huh. Um, we kept adjusting it and ultimately it just didn't seem to work okay and then i went back to my i found a new sleep doctor and you know explained what had happened and he was like oh why don't we just try a different mask and he right. got me the nose pillows yep and it's been like night and day Correct. but i still find it's not a perfect solution because you know it's not something that like is fixed you know, uh-huh. it doesn't mean that your mouth won't open. It doesn't mean that you're not going to move and it might go sure. off center a little, exactly. you know, so it's still not, it's not perfect. And I do wonder, you know, if and this is exactly why I went to my GP and said, Hey, you know, um, I think that, I think I might have some kind of underlying issue that mm-hmm. might require a more elegant surgical option. Correct. And, and, you know, said, look, the CPAP's fine, but like I actually think what's happening is that I'm having a sinus issue and I need to get mm-hmm, it checked out. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. you know, there could be all of these underlying issues that I could have gone on with the CPAP for, you know, another 60 years, Yep. but maybe there's a, an easier option. Correct. Yeah.
1: And I would say at least just how our system works is, is so, our system is sort of built with the assumption that if you... If if you you that most people would rather not use a machine unless they have to use a machine, yeah. and so our bias is that way versus the opposite. Now we certainly prescribe a lot of CPAPs, and there's a lot of our patients that are in CPAPs. But the system is is built that way. The other part of our system is we start with the nose; it's a nose first approach because mm. your airway starts with the nose. See, no and one's so, looked
0: at my nose.
1: Right, and I'd say now the reality is your sleep apnea is not coming from your nose, period. Mm. It's coming from your throat. But some of what you just said sort of, and, it, and it's, and you're not alone here. You're not, I mean, you're, you're, you're it's a typical story that, that it, your story is the every person story, yeah. which is, you know, it's sort of the system that's sort of jumping to conclusions and jumping to treatments before we just sort of say like, hey, you know, okay, we can jump, but let's, let's walk logically in a forward mm-hmm. direction. So our system, like how we do things here is, listen to you look at you if we think there's a lot if there's we think there's something going on the nose and sinus wise we're going to make a pit stop there before we go too far down the road now if we look there and either we look and everything's good we're going to let you know about that or we look and like eh, it's not, this is not quite right here we're going to talk through what's not right what might we want to do about that you know kind of a thing Before we even get you into any active treatments for sleep, assuming, say, so we would overlap that step if we needed to do a sleep study, do a sleep study. But before we get to any active sleep apnea treatments, we are either going to give you the stamp of approval for your nose because your nose is good and your sinuses are good by themselves, or we're going to do something to make them optimal or better or, or reliable before mm. we even put you into a, a CPAP machine or an oral appliance or, or anything else. And even kind of what you said is, and I don't know, but I would say, the number, well, I do know the number one reason. <laughs> the number the thing I do know the number one reason for people to to not succeed with a CPAP machine is because their nose is blocked up and they don't know about it. The number mm-hmm. one reason for somebody to, to not succeed with an oral appliance is because their nose is blocked up and they don't know about it. And so, for you, I don't know your nose might be just fine, but I'd say it makes me wonder. You know, folks folks whose noses are work noses are working properly. Uh, and are in an appliance that's sort of an oral appliance that's that's well fit for them they tend to do really well not everybody you know certainly mm-hmm. there are exceptions to that but the rule is nose working appropriate appliance oral appliance people do well um, and I'd actually say the similar thing with a CPAP machine somebody who's who put in a CPAP machine nose working then we put in a, them in a CPAP machine and with the na- like ideally with a nasal we, we you know are again the reason you got put in a full face mask is that's just the that is the laziness of the broken system, which says you have, you know, sleep apnea. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that we, we don't really care about you. We're going to shove something on you. Know, on you. Uh, we don't care the, the fact that most people cannot tolerate a full face mask because <laughs> it's really claustrophobic. Well, that we was, really oh care. yeah, that
0: was the other thing. I felt really claustrophobic and I've Absolutely. never experienced claustrophobia in my life.
1: And it's frightening.
0: And I was like, I couldn't get to sleep because I was anxious. Right. You know, and it makes you think like, that was setting off my fight or flight. Right. But
1: absolutely, I
0: imagine that the apnea itself, the, the fact that I was not like, I would stop breathing in my sleep and people who have sleep apnea, surely that's setting off your body's fight or flight response every time it happens. And it could happen, you know, upwards of, you know, 15 or more times an hour, you know, so the fact that it can happen that often in your sleep and that your body's Basically, I mean, we talk about dealing with chronic stress in your waking life. Imagine sure. if you're having it in your sleeping life too. Absolutely. And this is exactly why sleep apnea is such a dangerous, Absolutely. um, you know, issue to deal with, and why you need to get it treated if you have it.
1: Yeah, well, I think like to me, there's many definitions of insanity, but this one, what you just said, if you kind of mm. follow the ball there, is so if you have sleep apnea, you have a throat issue. Again, you're likely to have a nose issue. So your throat is tight, your nose is tight. It's just just sort of a, a, a sort of a. a sort of figurative person,
0: Mm.
1: throat's tight, nose is tight. How can we truly um, ruin this person's life is we're going to put something over their tight nose and tight mouth and, you know, and and somehow (laughs) think that they're going to go to sleep with that. Like, that's the definition (laughs) of like, like, it just, it doesn't make any sense at all. And yet that's the standard of care. It doesn't make sense. And so, you know, um, and absolutely that, that fight or flight reflex that you, your body is already, when somebody has sleep apnea, you know, Multiple times, sometimes more than a hundred times every hour, their body's shutting down, and so the body is just revved up, and it's it's revved up, and it knows your airway is not working right, and it doesn't trust the airway, and now all of a sudden, like I said, somebody's going to shove this thing on you, and that's why the, the that's why the uh, compliance rates are so poor with CPAP is that it's it's sort of it's an, it's an insane process. It's the standard of care, and um, your story is the, the story I hear. Mm. all the time. And again, maybe your story, maybe that's just how it is. And it would have been that way. But but also here we
0: are three years later too. It's like, you know,
1: well, and and a lot, a lot of folks jump off of that journey really early. Like Mm -hmm. a lot of folks go in, do a sleep study, get the CPAP machine, can't tolerate it. And not just can't tolerate it. And they, and it's both, I'd say there's one thing between like, I can't tolerate this. I can't do this versus this thing, it feels like it's going to kill me. And I, and then you go to tell your doctor that I tried this thing and I felt panicky. I felt like I had claustrophobia. And your doctor, what they're going to say is, we'll try it again. And you're going to say,
0: <laughs> no. see ya,
1: buddy, I'm out of here. Like, because yeah. that's what you should say. You should say, see ya, I'm gone. Like, that's crazy. and And your body, your mind is saying, don't do that. And yeah. so and why hasn't why haven't
0: health insurance companies then responded to the fact that there's such a low rate of response the first time around with a CPAP that, you know, they should be addressing other issues. Absolutely. Cause they providing... don't, they don't,
1: they, they really don't get it. And, and I, yeah. I, it's, it's a sort of uh, and we've had many recent interactions where I'm talking to insurance companies and they have no clue, unfortunately. Um, and it really, I mean, like the insurance companies, I mean, it's easy to bash them, uh, but I'd say, you know the truth about all insurance companies is they absolutely are focused on their bottom line and and i'd say even there if they actually listen to some of what we're talking about if 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 you're a bottom line but you know guy or gal this is bottom line so if we can treat these issues early on and prevent these downstream complications if you're a top line bottom line or just sort of golden rule person it, it hits it right there like it this is it, it's good but it, it it's good on all regard or in all regards but they don't they they don't they actually don't listen and in fact i think how they're wired is um they would rather not see that you're diagnosed with sleep apnea because that means you're going to get some treatment and they'd rather not you have a treatment because you know what i mean it, it's it's yeah, sort like of to this, deny
0: you anyway yeah correct
1: which is insanity for the even if even if they were looking out for their own selves it's insane because if they were truly looking out for their own, their own selves and they understood sort of the dynamics, they would want you to get treated because it actually would end up saving them money uh, yeah. in, in the long time, in the long run. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: I, and I'm wondering, cause you know, we're talking about success and failure rates with something like CPAP, you know, when you see a new patient and maybe you found the solution for them, maybe it's a CPAP, mm-hmm. maybe it's an oral appliance, maybe it's someone who's having going for the surgical option, mm-hmm. you know, how disciplined do patients need to be when it comes to these changes in their lifestyle? Does the diagnosis um, mean that they need to upend their lives and like make it happen all the time? Like just because I have a CPAP, does it mean I have to use it every night or I'm going to get a heart attack? Like, you know, what is the... Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> so the, the short
1: answer is no. Although, and, and I think, I mean, assume, well, no, period. And, <laughs> then it, part of it depends on the severity of your sleep apnea, um, you know, to some extent, but one night away from a machine is not going to do you in, um, you know, but, you know, multiple nights. Yeah. Now you start, it's, it's the, it's the damage over time that gets you from sleep apnea though most people who have sleep apnea and are being successfully treated don't want to go a night or two without their machine mm. or appliance because they you're feel, a basket you feel, case exactly. the next day <laughs> you feel that that's where that's where the world sort of lets you know how bad the problem was. Yeah. You know, once you've been, tra- and this we see this all the time for a variety of things, including sleep apnea, is you get somebody treated properly and you get them sort of back in the normal realm of, of existence. And then like one night away from your machine, all of a sudden sucks you back into the life that you used to have. And it's no longer acceptable to you right. because now you have this new understanding, new life, new awareness. And, and so I think that's the, that's usually, like if we're treating somebody successfully, then um, there's, I really, I and mean, it's, it's, we don't usually have to do much arm twisting because if we're truly successful, then, then, the, then our patient is on board with that treatment and the treatment mm. is working and they want to use it because it's working for them. Yeah. Um, kind of a thing versus, yeah. Hey buddy, you got to use this or you're going to die. I mean, that, that's not an approach that's,
0: right. that's, that's <laughs> not really
1: a convincing approach. It's kind of just a, I mean, scare tactics don't generally have a place here, yeah. but, um, care. You're not does. fear factor.
0: Care does. Oh, right. Yes. I mean, absolutely. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. care over fear. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Absolutely.
0: So I like to wrap up my, my interviews with the top three list and for practitioners who I have on the show, I'm wondering for you, what, what would your top t- three tips be for someone who maybe suspects they have something off? Maybe they're about to become a patient, uh, of a, an otolaryngologist an ENT, mm-hmm. you know, right. um, might be living with something invisible, right? That's yeah. chronic. What would you recommend to these people who are on the precipice of diagnosis.
1: Right. I would say, I guess maybe this is a good, yeah, this is a good question because I think first thing is um, establishing an awareness of what, what, what might be, you know, to mm-hmm. so say we kind of focus a lot on sleep apnea in this, in this discussion, which is fine. But if it's sleep apnea, you know, do a little homework. You don't have to do a ton of homework. Just you know, sort of get an understanding about okay, what 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 does sleep apnea look like? Might this be you? Might this not be you? Okay, if it is you, okay. Or if you think okay, this is a possibility, then the next thing is do, your next bit of homework is finding the right resource for you, hmm. um, which it's tricky. And and the tricky part is is that I know what I do and I know what we do here, but we are where we are we're in milwaukee and in and, and chicago we're not in california we're not you know and so not that we're the be all end all but i'm just saying is that you know it's finding the right resource from a medical standpoint that okay i think i have this issue these folks seem like they know, you know what they're talking it. about yeah. or, and and then then i think that's step one step two step three is once you find the right resource or resources say maybe it's a couple things once you actually engage is um go kind of have a trust your gut and trust your right. head on is is this is this seem to be making sense to me and 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 way, to, way for you to easily check that is when you're going into your your um clinical uh, appointment with your you know mdpa whomever is do you understand um does do you believe do you have confidence that they understand what's going on mm do you understand? Because if they understand what's going on, have they explained it properly to you so that you understand right. it? And then I'd say that then the final thing, do you have a specific game plan uh, designed for you moving in a forward direction? So meaning when you go in, do they listen to you? Do they, do they understand you? Do they evaluate you and your mind properly? You don't have to be a doctor to figure this out, but just sort of, does it seem like they, they, they really heard you and, and, and looked at you and, and, and given you?
0: you a roadmap. And yeah, if you, if you,
1: I mean, I, I don't actually, I, I'm not a big fan. I don't, I don't visit doctors often. And when I do, I'm.
0: That's interesting. A doctor yeah, who doesn't visit doctors I,
1: often. I try to stay away because, and, but when I do go, I always am shocked uh, that at, at the lack of um, all the things I just said, the, 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 the lack of, and I'm a doctor, like they could, they could sort of, uh, you could speed through the process. Like, you know, I don't need like, just cut to the chase. Yeah. Tell they me can what use t-
0: the language with you. You're use gonna the lingo, the you know, like, yeah, and tell, yeah.
1: tell me what you think is going on. Uh, and you don't even have to do the explanation part so much, but like, okay, I think it's X, Y, and Z, and we're going to do this and that and boom, done. And, it doesn't happen, and even when I go in, or if, if I'm taking my kids in, or I go in with my wife's appointments, it's it's like it's always like this is craziness because people. I, I just and I'm not that I am sort of impose my will on them because I'm not going to tell them how to practice medicine, but I always leave, unfortunately, shaking my head like how I, I shake my head because I get a firsthand experience of what the experience is for pro- most else. people out there, and yeah. it's not okay. And and so I'd say back to like the one two three is educate yourself. Make sure you feel confident in the resources that, that, that you're reaching out to. And then finally, I'd say, make sure you're, you're getting results. And results mm-hmm. are delivered by options. And so, If you have an issue, make sure you are getting the op- all the options that are there, including the options that this particular person can't deliver for you. They should, be, mm-hmm. they should understand the things that they can or can't do. And then, then you... Then now you have now it's back on you, man. Now it's on, on you to to take that information, synthesize it, and then uh, make the choice that's right for right. you. And then it's then it's a bit of a
0: but making an uh, educated decision. It sounds absolutely. like. And, and, yeah.
1: And, and, and unfortunately, that's that's unfortunate. It's that's, that's become the pa- well,
0: and it's become the patient's responsibility when yeah. the system's failing us. Is there right. anything else you'd like to add? Certainly, please um, tell listeners where they can find you in your practice.
1: Um, well, yeah, I mean, I, I think we had a good conversation. I think we covered yeah. all the ground. I mean, so, I mean, <laughs> our practice is at com. either way, advent, K-N-O-W-S or advent, nos And Oh, yeah, it's so both? We, That's it's so both. funny. <laughs> and it's intentionally... I don't know. It's, it's either hokey or, uh, memorable or one of those things. I think it's, uh, well,
0: at least you've got a sense of humor about it all. Oh,
1: absolutely. (laughs) No, we do. Um, but, but that's where you can find us. And and as you said, there's a lot of videos and, and information. And so even if we, we do get, I mean, because we, we are sort of out and about on, on the internet, uh, you know, we get folks calling in from all over the place and and Mm -hmm. sometimes it's a, um, do you know somebody in Sacramento? Yeah. And and maybe I don't, but maybe, maybe I do. And if we do, it's trying to you know, hook you in. We do get folk coming in from far away mm. uh, for treatment, um, which is cool in a way, but uncool in that it's... And that they have I mean, to
0: do that. <laughs> they have to do that.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And, and part of our mission here is, you know, we, we have what we have, and there is a need for what we're doing. And we are trying to, to grow this as... Um, as sort of quickly as is feasible because we have to maintain the quality that that exists here. Mm. So ideally is eventually we would like to be out where you're at because, mm. um, it, it's hard, it's hard for yeah. folks to try to come in to see us, but anyway, it's, it's easy to find us uh, online and, um, you know, hopefully we can get you some more information if you, if you visit us.
0: Well, and when you, when you end up in California, I'll be your first patient. <laughs> yeah, there
1: you go. There you go. Well, Excellent.
0: Dr. Canjula, thank you so much for joining us today. It was such a pleasure chatting with you.
1: Thank you. Thank you. This yeah,
0: fun. of course. That's it folks. Thanks for listening. As always, please check us out online at uninvisiblepod.com and all over the social media world at UninvisiblePod. We love your feedback and suggestions, so please drop us a line via the website if you have questions, ideas for topics to cover in future episodes, or just want to say hello. We're all about relationships and collaboration here, so credit where credit is due. Music for this episode is by Sean Hart, who can be found at seanhart.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts.